Everybody, this is the Never Heard of It podcast, the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through the cracks. Sean Harwell, I'm joined by Craig Moorhead, as always. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing good, Sean. You know, it's it's a rare opportunity for me to actually see you while we're talking. Yes, people may not know that. I know people think that we just we share a, a studio apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, and we don't. We don't. We actually have two different houses all together. But uh, it's good to see you. And mm-hmm. uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm really wondering now that like maybe there's a missed market there of uh, podcasts that are recorded by roommates sharing a studio space, <laughs> yeah, an actual studio apartment in some place like New York where it's super tiny. I'd be interested to see how quickly those podcasts sort of devolve <laughs> and yep. just only have one host or you know I, know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they should do like episodes where they record together and then like ones where they should get uh, you know like confessionals on the other yeah. person. Yeah, why not? So ours won't be that uh, salacious, hopefully. No. Uh, but but I'm good. I'm good. It's, you know, getting to look a lot like Halloween. I'm excited about that. It's getting there. It is, man. It's cold outside. Mm-hmm. C- cool, anyway. Cool outside, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, man. We're, we're all about talking about costumes over here. So mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to, uh, to getting down with it and, uh, you know, I don't know, watching some scary movies, maybe. Let's do it. At least eat some candy. Yeah. Nothing else, right? Uh, no, I'm psyched to be talking about The Honeymoon Killers today. We teed it up last week and got an interesting movie from 1970 here, I think. First, Craig, you want to tell people where they can come say hello? I do, Sean. You know, you can find us and get in touch with us in such places as, as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You will find us on Twitter. You'll find us at Never Podcast. Facebook is uh, also just Never Podcast. And Instagram, you'll find us at NHOIT Podcast. Uh, any one of those places you can contact us you can tell us uh if there's something you want us to watch or if you liked a particular episode or you know really anything you want to share with us you can share with us there um and you can find the podcast spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor overcast breaker pocket cast radio public and Castbox. Uh, and there may be some others out there so never stop searching uh, and uh, and please, anywhere you can, subscribe and leave a review. Please do. It really makes a huge difference just doing that one little thing. Uh, and speaking of little things, Sean. <laughs> yes, Craig. What what little thing would you like to share with, uh, with our listeners right now? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, everybody should register to vote. You may hear some ads for uh, organizations that... Perhaps they're helping steer you that direction. That's and right. Certainly, I think most people that are listening to this probably are planning to do so. Yeah. Even our listeners in France. If you're in France and you would like to vote against Donald Trump, uh, come come do it. We'll we'll help you. Feel free. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll find law, legal ways to get it to happen. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I assume mm. there are a lot of people who are uh, who are who may be feeling that way out out in the larger world and. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing all we can. We're really doing everything we, we can, I promise. Yes, and if you could please keep a room ready for us in case things go really, really south here in about a <laughs> yeah. couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. we just need like a couple nights on a, on a couch. Thanks. Oh, you know what? We can't even get into France right now, can we? Oh, probably not. Okay, strike all that. Sorry about that, guys. Don't, yeah. don't worry. I, I don't know where spread. we can get to at this point. Yeah. Um, New Zealand, hmm. I don't think, is going to let us in. Bermuda Triangle, would they? Might as well. We can try Atlantis. Oh, there we go. 
Okay, uh, Craig, now, uh, beyond that, the only thing I also would like to talk to first... The only thing else I'd like to talk about first is what else you've watched. It's been a little while since we've done this um, yeah. with our recording schedule. It's worked out. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm curious if you've been checking out anything on the old boob tube or silver screen. Well, I have been doing both. Really. Okay, so what was I watching before? I mean, we, we were watching uh, Mind Hunter. We were watching a few things. And man, mm-hmm. we, we finished some series and we had to pick up some new series. Okay. Figure out what's going on out there. And so we... Uh, and when I say we, it's me and my wife. We tend to share the responsibilities of entertaining ourselves. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You watch with one eye and she watches with the exactly, other. Exactly, exactly. Okay. The That's other good. two eyes are on our kids at all times. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we tried Mr. Robot, uh, which has a great cast. Seems seems like a good fit for us. couple episodes in. There's a butt coming. There's a huge butt there's a huge butt, and, and uh, this one I'm not really sure exactly why, but like by the third episode we were like, I'm just not, I just don't care. Whatever it is, mm. I don't know. Everything seems to be great about it, but I just don't care about the story. So we dropped that. We moved on to Cobra Kai. We watched the first episode, and it was kind of like, well, that was cute, but I don't know if I want to see any more of that. Like I think it's a yeah. really brilliant premise, but yeah, something about it. I don't know. Did you watch that one? I haven't yet. I, I would like to, but I, I'm feeling you. I think it's just because of so much stuff that is out there, and there is that sense of relief, and also, um, <laughs> like you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, but but it's it really is true, and it, it also kind of comes back to always, like thinking about it from a writing standpoint is just how difficult the pilot is to get right 100%. in a way that really hooks people into wanting to come back for more. Um, but also, I think. You know, maybe it's worth pointing out. I don't know if that's the normal. I don't know if that's the normal mode for viewers right now, Craig. I think most are probably like giving it. They just binge. They just binge. They'll finish anything, right? Sure. Well, yeah, I think it probably goes both ways, right? Because I mean, both this and the next show I was going to talk about, Succession, which I kept hearing how great Succession was, and we got through the first episode, and the both of us were kind of like. I don't care about any of these rich dicks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, again, it's great looking show, p- total pros across the board. And by the end of it, we're just like, I don't care about these assholes. Maybe you just guys, you weren't in the mood. It sounds well, like. Well, that's TV. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, who knows how it's going to hit you. But like, normally I feel like we would give any show like three episodes. That's what we did for Mr. Robot, you know, because yeah. we know that first episode might not be the best hook. But still, we were just, I don't know, neither one of those, one of us has to like want to watch it a little bit for us to, to, <laughs> yeah. to keep going. And at the end the of both of those, we were like, begrudgingly, right? Yeah, I don't really want to. So we moved on to Ozark. We're watching Ozark, which is, we're both loving that. From the start, or you had you already started that show? We, we watched, well, yeah, it, we watched the first episode a long time ago, and okay. we're like, that's great. We, we should watch this. And we never yeah. did. So we just jumped right in on the second episode. And I mean, yeah, it's great. Super dark. So uh, my wife doesn't always love watching it, but uh, but I dig it. So we're watching that pretty much. And, and uh, another show on Hulu is called Pen15. Yes, I've uh, seen the ads. Which is very funny to me. I, I, I love the show. I love the two main girls. I think it's so super weird that they are both old, not older, but they're older than middle school women playing middle schoolers with a cast of middle schoolers, you know, middle school aged kids. 
uh, and it still funny. completely works. Like I don't yeah. know, and, and they're they're both super funny. I I, I love them, and um, I don't know. I think that show works really well. Cool. Uh, so I give that a big recommend. Uh, Finally, something that met your approval. I know. Met I mean, it's um, you know, it's good if I like it. Yeah. Uh, as for movies, have rewatched a bunch of stuff, so I won't go into any of that. But we paid, we ponied up Sean, and we watched Mulan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for a family of four, that's not you break it down by person. It's a deal. It's the cheapest night at the movies in the world. Yes. But $30, it seems like a hurdle to get over mentally, perhaps, if you're not that family. Right. But regardless, what did you think of the experience? Um, Like, the the experience itself was super easy, super fun. I mean, you know, we have a gigantic screen down here with a projector. And so, you know, sound is great. Picture's beautiful. Yeah. Came through very easily. There were no hiccups as far as that's concerned. Yeah. didn't love the movie and that's the big risk like that's what stings when you pay that amount of money to stream something at home like if that movie had knocked it out of the park that would have been like yeah an amazing experience it's very good the cast is very good uh i know there are a lot of like political and cultural controversies going on with it that i haven't really delved into but i know enough about to say like yeah that's it's a little messy Mm-hmm. Uh, but just speaking about the movie itself, m- my biggest problem with it was, you know, here's Disney is really trying to do everything right. I mean, they have cast amazingly cast Chinese actors for a Chinese movie. You know what I mean? There's, I mean, there's not yeah. Mulan's not played by a white woman, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, uh, a, a major step in the right direction. But, um, uh, what what drove me nuts was you, you have actors like Jet Li and Donnie Yen and a bunch of folks in this movie. And Sean, every fight scene is just edited to death. And it drove me nuts. Like yeah. the, the 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 story of the movie is is interesting pretty much on its own, and that's fine. But it's like you would because there are lots there's lots of fights. There's lots of fights. It's all about battles. Like the whole story is about battling. And every time a battle would happen, it's just chop, 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 chop. And all I could think was, man, that we you have a lot of talented people on this set, and they are you are not seeing any of the skills that these people have. And it's just a shame. I mean, like yeah. thinking about um, Dirty Ho, especially. I'm like, if I <laughs> yeah, had watched staging, Mulan, man. seriously, even even with even with like the rest of the story and everything, not really getting me emotionally or anything. If you had had set pieces like Dirty Ho had. I, I would have been I would have been applauding at the end. I'm in my, you know, in my house. Yeah. But uh I just think it was a huge missed opportunity as far as that's concerned. But uh anyway, but but overall I would still I'd still try it again. Like if the James Bond movie if they did it with that James Bond movie coming up, I'd do that in a second. I'd watch the hell out of that at my house. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because um, I was just listening to the box office tally for the weekend uh, on the news here tonight and um yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great. Nope. And they mentioned that around 70% of the theaters in America are open now. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you have a sort of like hurdle that you think you have to, that has to be passed in order for you to feel com- comfortable going to the movies again? Yeah. I mean, I, I've set really high hurdles. Uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of 
probably safe, very low risk ways to go to the movie theater. Tom Cruise, I think, has demonstrated for that, <laughs> demonstrated that for us in a video recently. If you've seen that, but I haven't, but now I'm going to go find it. Yeah, uh, it just bothers me. It, it, it it's very hard for me to trust that anyone else in a theater gives a shit about me or coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> so going and sitting in a room with them for two hours, having no idea where they're at, it's really hard for me to do. And also just because I do have kind of a nice setup here at home. And, sure. and you know, even in the best of days, I've had so many theater experiences now that were not great. And I took the whole family out. We paid all the money. And we sat down and the picture sucked and the sound sucked. And, you know, it's just like... I don't have those problems at home. So it's tough, man, because I don't I don't want to see the movie experience get hurt that badly. But like uh But it's not the movie experience right now. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like if you're gonna go somewhere and either choose to sit in your mask, right? Yeah. Or not because you're getting concessions and eating popcorn in the room or you know, around other people who are taking off their masks to eat then it's just, you know, why wouldn't you stay home, I guess? Like, that's right. that's the thing for me. It's like, it's it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation right now. Yeah. If it weren't inside, that would be a different experience, I think. Uh, but yeah. that would be different than most movie experiences. So I, I don't know what, the, I don't think it's, uh, for me, it's, it's not a good option until uh, numbers look way, way different or vaccines on the radar. 100%. Um, and, and, on that note, there's a site called COVID Act Now. I want to say it's called covidblue.org, but it's the site the site itself is definitely called COVID Act Now, which is probably my favorite site right now just the way they have all the data like uh, put out there. They uh-huh. they update it constantly. They're they're ranking all the states in terms of like where their, you know, uh, danger level is. And by the way, Vermont is green right now, which is the only state that's green I'm, and green yeah, is the best thing to be. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are doing a lot of different stuff. Some things I think are riskier. Some things I think are way too, way too safe, you know? And I, I'm sure all of us are in that Oh yeah, somewhere on that spectrum, you know? Uh, but, but the thing is like, I, I just, I hated trying to make my decisions based on like, well, I don't know that friend's doing that. I mean, maybe, and so I kind of love this site. I can kind of just go look and say, I mean, that's exactly where my risk is right now. Montgomery County, this is what's happening. And, uh, you know, where we're going, this is what's happening. And I don't know. I love that. Anyway. That's um, good PSA. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully no. that'll help somebody. But I, I'll be curious to hear from anybody else who's out there who's either gone to the theater or considering it or like what the, you know, you see pictures of people in a movie theater that are completely by themselves watching Tenet. I'm like, well, that sounds yeah. great. I know a part of it sounds fantastic. Doesn't sound good for the people who made Tenet, but yeah, but it's also the movie like, that's that's not where you go to the movies either, right? Like, True. so it's exactly not, you know, there's nothing about it's like virtual school. Like, it's still home. You can't do really anything to make it not home in some psychological fashion because it is. True. So it will never uh, replicate. I think the experience just by the sheer sort of nature of it. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope the theaters make it, and obviously uh, the, the the whole thing still exists a year from now, uh, maybe yeah. when when we do feel comfortable. But until then, yeah, there's there's other really good options. I think at home. 
It's true. It's true. And, and speaking of options, what what were the options you chose to take? Well, I I watched a bunch of great stuff. I rewatched uh, Princess Bride with my daughter for the first time the other night. Awesome. Uh, it was our family film and enjoyed that. And um, saw Get Out. I watched that again recently. Nice. Craig, do you remember who kills the most people in the movie Get Out? Uh, does the d- d- the main character? Indeed, it is. Yes. Yeah, it is. Believe. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting to see a protagonist yeah. be the main. I mean, it really is. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of fun to watch that again. I enjoyed it uh, as I expected. Uh, I'll quickly go through uh, Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit. Oh, how's that? It's really quite good, and like yeah. I think it came up on the radar because of did it win the Academy Award? I don't know. We did a movie from 2005, I think, this year, and uh, maybe it was Tokyo or something. But mm-hmm. it came up in one of the tee ups we did, and I was like, Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. I totally want to see that movie. What are you crazy? And yeah, uh, yeah it's it's really funny. And my kids would great. love it too. Yeah, those animations yeah. fantastic. Uh, I watched the documentary Memory: The Origin of Alien, which was oh, on. Yeah. Uh, popcorn flicks for free and I think it's still there and that it was fantastic it was really good yeah if you've seen that Room 237 documentary on The Shining mm-hmm. I did not care for that I thought that was just a bunch of conjecture and kind of baloney and didn't like how it was put together no offense yeah. to the filmmakers this I thought was much much better and really like a testament to Dan O'Bannon who we talked a lot about in our Dark Star episode, and there's many, many references to Dark Star uh, made in this documentary. So big thumbs up to that. Watch the Spike Lee film, The Five Bloods, which is on Netflix. Yeah, I got to see that. You do and you don't, Craig. It's an (laughs) uneven bag for sure. I was disappointed on the whole. There is some stuff that I think is really, really good. There's some stuff that ultimately just feels kind of trite and like by the numbers action kind of thing by the end of it. Yeah. And then there's just some extremely bizarre choices such as having a group of veterans returning to Nam, you know, 30 some years later or more. I'm trying to remember if I'm doing the math. Uh, yeah, definitely over 40 years. 40, yeah. And for the flashback scenes to the Vietnam War... They just use the same actors. And uh, so you got Delroy Lindo playing both ages. And I'm sorry, he's a powerhouse in this movie and fantastic. But he does not look like he's a teenager or a young 20-year-old in those flashback scenes, especially beside Chadwick Boseman, who's only in those scenes. So it it was just like, but why? Why not just cast somebody? I don't understand it. Fair enough. So that was disappointing. Uh, I watched the Charlie Kaufman film. I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, yeah. It, it's a hell of a mind trip. Loved the performances and how it looks. Still trying to make sense of what it all entails. Right. Uh, but really interesting. And uh, a couple quick more. Blind Spotting from 2019 with David yeah. Diggs. Fantastic. That movie's great. I really enjoyed it. What is that about? I'm not even positive what's So about. it's two friends. Uh David Diggs plays a guy who's like in his last two days, I think, of probation, uh or parole, excuse me. Yeah. Uh for a crime. And it's like he's just trying to do the right thing, straight and narrow, and get his life back together and off of that stain of uh of time there. And uh his friend is just kind of a you know, a rogue a bit. And it's just kind of deals with modern day Oakland and gentrification and systemic racism and all that stuff but it's still pretty damn funny and when the drama's there I think it, it really works for, by and large for the most part I'm not sure they stick to the yeah. landing 100% but really really close I thought 
Really? That's it's awesome. solid. I've never heard of that filmmaker, Carlos Lopez Estrada, but mm-hmm. uh, super impressed. Super impressed. I watched a documentary called Glorious, Glorious Technicolor, which is on YouTube, and it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that Technicolor was like basically invented by this uh, by this guy who then ran the company with his wife, and then they got divorced, and she still was like involved and pretty much the on-set color consultant for like Gone with the Wind and uh, Wizard of Oz and all the Powell and Pressburg red shoes and all like and seems like nobody liked having her there on set <laughs> and yet she was there i mean just like an amazing like if you really looked at her credits it's just like insane to think oh, this, that's awesome yeah and like her and her husband didn't or ex-husband did not get along apparently just oh, yeah. a really fascinating story uh and then last but not least the border from 1982 with jack nicholson uh and harvey Keitel, where he plays a, a border patrol policeman and uh pretty interesting it's not not, I wouldn't say it's great by any means, right? But but pretty solid. And man, there were two like deaths in that movie that were like whoa, like almost like horror movie, like creative, yeah, well done. I thought so. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes you're interested from what in year out. is that? It's 1982. 1982. So okay. Still totally looks like the 70s for the most part. Sure. Uh, Nicholson and Keitel are definitely in that sort of vein and uh, yeah. and mode there. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty damn good. I thought takes place in El Paso, I believe. Uh, but that's it. That was a lot. And uh, next week, you can definitely count on it not being nearly that much. But <laughs> I'm saving. I did watch some TV stuff, but I'll save that till next time since we already okay. are kind of going long on that one. <laughs> so Fair let's, uh, yeah, let's switch gears and talk about the Honeymoon Killers then, Craig. Let's talk them up. So this is directed by, as we learned, and if you didn't listen to the tea up yet on this one, you're, you're going to want to do that because we're going to talk about this a little. Mostly and mainly directed, by all accounts, uh, by a gentleman named Leonard Castle, who also wrote the script, but had two other directors who worked for a time before being fired. One of them was David Donald Volkman, excuse me, and the other was Martin Scorsese. So there you have it. Again, written by Leonard Castle, stars Shirley Stoller, Tony Lobianco. We got, uh, what's her name, uh, Doris Roberts in here. Yep. Mary Jane Higby, I thought was quite good. A list of women here. Kit McCardle, Marilyn Chris, Dortha Duckworth, Barbara Carson, Anne Harris. Um, it's a very uh, female-led cast for the most part, by and large, which makes sense given the plot, which we'll talk about. But here again is IMDb synopsis. An obese, embittered nurse doesn't mind if her toupee-wearing boyfriend romances and fleeces other women as long as he takes her along on his con jobs. Feels fair enough, I think, as far yeah. as synopsises go on IMDb especially. It sounds a lot more uh, on target than it did to me during the tee-up. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I was definitely expecting a little something different, I think, even based on just kind of the information and stuff we found for that tee-up. So it's an hour and 47 minutes. It's streaming on Criterion right now. And, God, there was someplace else I'm blanking on. But it's out there. You can find it. And crime, drama, romance, 1970. Craig, I picked it. I thought it sounded kind of sleazy. And there was some uh, some badness involved, which felt kind of right for October. And uh, what, did you, what did you make of this movie, The Honeymoon Killers? Uh, I'm really surprised at how much I like it based on how I was feeling going into it. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I'd heard a lot about it. There was something about it, though, where I just felt like, man, this is going to, this isn't going to be enough. Like something, <laughs> like it's going to be like, 
a scrappy sort of indie movie and and like at the end of the day i, I just i just had this bad feeling going into it hmm. that it was it was going to be a little too thin or you know i'm supposed to give it credit for you know not having all the resources in the world or something right but i i have to say man i i think it was a very lean and mean movie it it, it really moved it set up its characters very well uh as things get darker and darker it, it it made sense to me. It was compelling to me. And I mean, all the way through, I mean, I, I was even to the point where I felt genuinely shocked at the end at what was happening. And I think just, just the way they portrayed the things happening at the end was, I don't know, it was very frightening and stark. And, and um, even for as, you know, maybe we, we, we don't have the feeling of like a real slice of life. You are there. You're in the moment type of thing. Like it feels like a movie. The acting is very movie-ish. It's not, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Just in terms of it being like realistic or something. It's yeah. not that kind of movie. But uh, but I don't know. It really, it really pulled me in and I, I think it delivered. How did you feel about it? About three-fourths of that i think okay. you know stark is an absolute perfect word i mean it's a bleak ass movie which really i guess kind of knew going in just based off of kind of what it was based on and again like even though the title cards are absolutely like selling this as a hundred percent true story i think like from wikipedia they, they definitely took some liberties but no it's kind of interesting it is it is scrappy but it's got uh it definitely has like a professional sheen to it the acting is completely solid. Like it, these people feel like they're kind of cast perfectly, and that they're not like they are not Hollywood. Like no, right. um, even though both of them worked in Hollywood, you know, and and in on Broadway and stuff, and um, it's like really, really capable actors, but they just look different than you know Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, right? Sure. This, this ain't that kind of Bonnie and Clyde, and um, it's just kind of interesting because like on the very, very surface level and like not to just judge it on that, like you could turn the, uh, the, uh, you know, um, genre selector on this same story and almost like same cast and go straight into John Waters territory. Like, very, Well, yeah. And, very... I, and I kind of wondered, was that the kind of movie I was more in go, going into? Is it going to be kind of a, yeah. a kitschy sort of bad taste sort of movie? And I was right. like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for that, but yeah, yeah, that's but, what it felt like. Yes, and, and it is a little bit. It is a little bit, but it kind of like, um, I mean, from very early on, and we'll talk about the opening a little bit. But uh, I was like, no, this is not going to be that. Like, it, I felt like it established that established that mood pretty pretty early on and, and successfully. My only real criticism with it is, I, I just felt it got a little repetitive. Like, what they are doing is the same type of event. And it builds nicely. Like, it pulled me back in, certainly by the end. And, like, yeah, it, that was pretty shocking stuff in there. But there's a little section, and it's after a midpoint and before that kind of um, last 15 minutes or so, that I, I got a little antsy. And I can kind of see, I, I kind of see, like, why they why it works that way in a, in a, in a strange way. Because it does sort of, uh, it kind of lulled me into not fully anticipating the the word I want to use is impact because it is a literal and physical impact of a person killing another that it that grabbed the hell out of me when sure. that happened there and, and it was like oh, okay I'm back I'm back so yeah it just um 
I, I don't have like a great answer of like what I would do differently or like that the movie needed to kind of go into a different gear during that section. It mm-hmm. just it just lost me a little bit through that um, back half, early back half. But aside from that, I think cinematography at times is freaking awesome and looks yeah. great. Uh, it's a really cool black and white look to it. Really liked Shirley Stoller. I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything else. And Tony Libyanka. Tony Lobianco. I got to get that right. Yeah. Who's playing a, a Spaniard in this film, I think. Although we can yes, talk about, like, you know, he's not a reliable narrator exactly. by any means. So I don't know how much of his own story is bullshit. But, uh, yeah, he, he commits to whatever he's presenting himself as. And is just kind of this fascinating, uh, he's almost like a gigolo or something, you know. He's sort of yeah. selling himself as a, a man to be there. When a lonely woman is in a predicament where they need to or want to appear married and do so quickly at a small cost to their personal fortune. (laughs) And um, that's really the con that they establish early on is that, yeah, he's one of these guys that finds targets that he can either marry or pretend to marry or get almost to marriage and take them for their money and hit the road. So, yeah. it's, it's certainly like that kind of grifter is, is usually a pretty entertaining, um, unlikable dude. Uh, and it's rare, I think, to see that matched with a, a woman who is every bit as, as unlikable, I think, uh, certainly by the end of this, if not more so. Um, yeah. We can get into the debate of who's the most evil here. But um, it reminded me of the quote that we read from the producer who was just like, nope, I'm not. There's, this is not going to be a movie where you come out thinking the murderers are, are likable folks who, um, you know, have their charms, I guess, um, yeah. despite their horrors. Uh, I, don't, I, did, I didn't feel that way about them by the end of it. I don't know. No, not at all. And, and I understood. I mean, I understood anyone's attraction to wanting to make the movie. Yeah. But it, it kind of felt like, yeah, this is kind of a Scorsese's alley. Like, these are exactly the kind of folks. Because, I mean, yeah, like, they are, I mean, in the end, they're despicable. And you, you don't, yeah, it's not something where you feel bad for them or anything like that. But they are interesting characters. I mean, you see how they graduate from being, I mean, he's certainly mildly despicable to begin with she's i don't know maybe grumpy but i don't know what yeah. else what what's her larger crime at the beginning like she's just she's a nurse she's working as a nurse and you know she could be happier and just seeing how that like she gets someone who makes her feel not lonely and it it's sort of uh sort of the rest of the movie sort of just tracks her protecting that with everything like she would do anything to protect that. Yeah, and um, yeah, just I, I don't know if she's unraveling or or not. I mean, I guess that's it's a good yeah. question of like what state her uh, psyche is in all along. But uh, I, I, let me just give the setup because I think that can kind of like explain the rest of the movie. But it's sure. it's really kind of interesting. And there's a question in there that I want to ask you about the two of them. So yeah, um, we open and again like this is under debate about whether Scorsese directed this opening. But by God, it felt like it to me. It um, definitely did. Yeah, yeah, so you got like a tracking shot down a hallway at this hospital. I think you're following Martha or someone. And then in the background, suddenly there's just this like explosion and a cloud of smoke that comes pouring out of a doorway. And uh, then Martha goes in there and there is another nurse and 
I don't remember if it was a doctor or another, a male nurse or an orderly or what they called him at the time. But anyway, you know, she just lays into them because uh, the nurse has mixed, uh, what's ammonia and ammonia and chlorine, I think. Yeah, and created this explosion. But really, it's possible that they were doing some hanky panky when they shouldn't have been. And I mean, that's a, a theme that, or a motif at least, that runs throughout this thing. So that was kind of interesting in a sense that like I had just watched the trailer for Ryan Murphy's version of Ratchet that's coming out. Well, it's out on Netflix now. And, you know, thinking I had read an article about the script and stuff. And I was like, okay, so is this like a is she going to be like a Nurse Ratchet kind of character who's just just doesn't have a kernel of compassion to her whatsoever? And then it did something interesting, which is we go home with this character who, again, like just when you meet her and I think, you know, we're just so accustomed to not seeing women as leading ladies that look anything like this. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, frankly, that's why my mind, I think, went to John Waters a little bit, too. You know, thinking about Hairspray and all the movies he made with Divine. So we follow her home and like her her life is not great. Yeah. So I will say, like, they did a good job, I think, of like really quickly and easily building sympathy. Like she lives at home. Her mother is apparently a little senile, but Doris Roberts is great. She plays this character, Bunny, who it took me a bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think she's just the next door neighbor. Or no. See, yeah, that's well, that's a good question. But yeah, at first I thought Bunny was her sister, but no, Bunny is definitely just a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it maybe it maybe it's not, but she lives next door, I think. Right. Right. And so she's sort of been watching the mother while Martha's at work, and mm-hmm. you know they're complaining and there's just bickering and like there's, you know, really Martha, you shouldn't be eating that right now. You know, Martha's just like, give me a break. I'm, you know, blah blah blah, and um, she gets this letter, Martha. And the way that Bunny says something about the mail, you, you kind of know there's something up there. But she opens this letter, and it's about joining some friendship club, which my mind was like, what the hell? Is this like some sort of swingers thing? Like, where are we going with this? Yeah. And I was like, what is this? I've never heard of that. But it exists basically, I think, for women who are lonely to write letters and then exchange letters with men who are are also lonely or, as it turns out, just looking for easy targets, right? And she gets a letter back from this guy who is named Ray, and he's from Spain. And very quickly, the movie kind of does this thing. I was thinking about it. It's like, it's almost like an internet relationship, you know? It's like they meet online and they start exchanging emails and then they meet in person one time. Man, that that meeting at their house, like everything about that scene, I thought was great. Yeah. The, the mom is like, "I made the pecan pie," and she's just like so creepy. And then, like, it's not long before Martha ends up asking Ray if he would mind if she gave her mother a sleeping pill, which is definitely foreshadowing some things to come. Yes. Right? And he's like, "No, of course not." He's like, "I was hoping we could spend some time alone together too," you know. And, like, there's, like, uh, the mother says something about Ray being the Latin from Manhattan. And she's just, like, nodding off on the couch. And they put on music. And Ray starts dancing. And, like, I don't know. I mean, this is 1970, right? It definitely feels like it was made a little bit earlier than that to me. Or, you know, you're still 
seeing what I would kind of classify as kind of like a 60s black and white film Mm -hmm. feeling to it. But he's like dancing right in front of her. She's sitting in a chair. So we're seeing like the cameras behind him and his waist is just going right in front of her. And he reaches for her hand and tells her not to be a shy nurse. And like just the way they shot that, I was like, this feels really uncomfortable. Like it felt yeah. risque for for what it is. And even just now, it was just like this. I don't like this. This is I'm not right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and I don't know like why or if that's me being like judgmental of just like again these people not looking like typical like movie stars. But so yeah, like that. I just thought all of that was interesting. The next thing you know, like he's going back to the city, getting on a train, and I think he's gotten some money out of her to get back. There was some line about he yes. needed to get home for a delivery or he's going to have to pay the COD. And he's waiting on these things to come in that he's going to sell for all this stuff. And like to me, I guess that's when I started piecing together this guy's he's the grifter, right? Like there's some yep. sort of con running. Did, was there anything before that for you that felt like uh, was a giveaway? Oh, well, I mean, there was certainly the bit where he was actually writing the letter. Well, you felt like that was all you were like cluing in that he was making up all that stuff? Or well, yeah. Stuff? Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I'm remembering a, a later part of the movie. But I remember him sitting at a desk and he's writing the thing. And there's a shot of just pictures of ladies on the desk. And I was thinking, oh, like these are pictures that they that women sent him or something that he's corresponding with. Because his whole thing is, this is my, you know, this is my first letter I've ever written. Yeah. And it, honestly, even if there were no pictures of women, I think I would have been like, eh, <laughs> okay, you're kind of a good-looking guy to be doing I'm a such friendship a dupe, club. Yeah, I, I was just like, oh, this poor guy, he's pretty lonely too. Like, <laughs> I bought it. Well, I don't know. I felt like, oh, okay, I see why. You know, this will be interesting when they meet to see what that looks like. But no, you're probably. Right. I think I think you're right. I think there were pictures of other ladies, and I just was like, oh, I guess this this is what came in the 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 batch from the friendship club. But uh, right. So I have a little bit of questions about kind of what happens after he goes back to the city. Because right. there's a scene where Martha is at Bunny's and Bunny is on the phone with Ray and kind of feeding him lines about how, oh, Martha's here. She tried to kill herself. She says she's going to kill herself again. But Martha's fine. Like she's just sitting there on the bed and like yeah. sort of, you know, I don't, I don't know if I know exactly what was going on there and what it was that got them, like, back together in person, I suppose. Do you have a clear read on that? I feel exactly the same as okay. you do about that section. And does it matter, I guess? Well, I, I mean, that's the thing. The, the bit where, where Bunny is talking to him on the phone, you know, I was assuming... It was mainly just that, like, yeah, like, he had gone back to New York to do this thing, and it was just, she just wanted his attention so bad, you know, it's it's almost like a middle school type of thing to do. Yeah. You know, and you have your friend oh, call up and say, oh, sure. she's so sad, and whatever. Uh, and so that I didn't have a problem with, although, did I miss something here? Or maybe we both missed something here. Just because I'm saying, I'm seeing on Wikipedia... It says that Ray sends Martha a Dear Jane letter and then Martha enlists Bunny's aide to call him with the false news that she has attempted suicide. I do not remember a Dear Jane letter. Not after not Unless after their initial sit. correspondence and then they meet right. in person. Yeah, I, I don't remember her getting a note that said like it's off. He, him calling it off. 
I thought she was just doing it just because she wanted his attention and she was, she was, you know, that she would be worried that he's far away and maybe this is all going to end. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember that at all because I remember like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to like fill in the blanks that it's been a couple days or weeks right. and she hasn't heard from him and it's more of that kind of thing. Yeah. At any rate, I, I'm wondering, I think maybe the end result of the call is that he tells her that she can come to New York, right? Yes. And that's and the she, second part she, of your question that I also wanted to say Yeah, that I did not fully understand why he chose to say, okay, yep. come here. Well, that I was, didn't under- yeah, my question was just going to be more about like, is, is that he really in love with her or what exactly there? But okay, well, let's just walk through the next part then. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he tells her she can come, just don't kill herself. But he she gets there and discovers that uh, Ray is engaged to marry a rich woman and he's planning to take her money and dump her before the marriage. And he sends Martha back to Mobile um, or Mobile, Alabama, right? Yeah. And so there's a really weird scene that sticks out and it does a lot of damage early on to Martha's, uh, the sympathy I was feeling towards this woman at this point, which is when she goes back to work and finds out that she's been fired by her boss because I think she just took up and left to go to New York to be with Ray. And she's talking about, we're getting married and blah, blah, blah. Of course I was going to see my And then she also throws in the line that I'm not sure Hitler wasn't right about you people. And I was like, Okay. Oh yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's a ding against you, Martha. I think uh, it's going to be hard to recover from, and it's also mm-hmm. a very good line to have foreshadowing us uh, that we're not supposed to like this person because it works, right? right? Uh, anytime right. you hear somebody say that, and you wouldn't hear Marty McFly <laughs> say that. That would not go over well, no. or Doc for that matter, you know? Or Doc, yeah, no kidding. And so from there, like, there's a whole kind of I think like full-scale shift in in Martha. Like suddenly she's telling her mom that they're married and putting her mother in some sort of assisted living facility of some kind. And like the poor mother, like that was definitely a scene that I felt like they were going up to around 11 with the acting and and pushing. Oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah, it was a little over the top, but she's like, ah, don't leave, God damn it. You know, the mother's screaming, God damn it, this little old lady from the window and like, I hope this happens to you and all this stuff. Like, yeah. I I mean, maybe the mom was senile, but she didn't, like, beyond that, she didn't seem like she, A, was that old or B, like. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She didn't, like, debilitating disease or anything like that. Um, the end result of that is that the mother is left there and now Martha is just acting on her own and she goes back to join Ray. But what we find out is that, yeah, indeed he is getting married to a woman named Doris played by Ann Harris. And it's just uncomfortable and awkward. You know, I, I still, as much as I'm like, yep, I'm done with, with Martha and far as the likability goes, it's like, yeah, she's there at the wedding pretending to be Ray's sister. And that is the ruse that they use throughout the rest of it, is that Martha is his sister around these other women that they're duping. And it is kind of like um, it's kind of like a good plan in a weird way, you know? And again, yeah. like just going back to like the sort of standard image that we're all used to of what husband and wife look like being remotely about the same size, you know, it's like, um, and all the women that he meets are either younger or older than Martha. Most of them are older. Um, usually fairly well put together, you know, definitely thinner. And they just completely buy into the fact that this woman is his sister. 
And yeah. she is not that nice, but doesn't have to be that nice. She's a sister, so you got to tolerate family, right? Right. Yeah, there's some weird, weird scenes. The stuff with Doris, where she comes back to the house and she's singing America the Beautiful in the bathtub and calling her husband in there to bring him a towel. And it just gets weird. It seems like some sort of sexual act happens between Ray and Doris with the bathroom door closed. But then he leaves and goes with Martha. And there's definitely something going on with them physically in the next room while Doris is still in the tub singing uh, Glory, Glory, Hallelujah, I think. Yeah, that night Martha takes uh, Doris's jewelry. They take the money. And when Doris realizes that she can't find her things, she demands to be taken back home and leaves, essentially. But um, that is kind of their thing. That's what they do to the next woman and the woman after that. And it gets a little more yeah. complicated. But so I don't know, like, um, do you have an answer to that question of like, what is it about Martha that Ray is drawn to? I, I think I kind of have a handle of what it is uh, going the other way. Like I feel for Martha, it's like, here's a guy that reached out and they had this connection, whether it was genuine or not, but when they met, like something happened and I kind of get why she's fallen for him. Yes. Has he completely fallen for her? Do you believe that that is a genuine relationship it, in his mind or what? I don't. And I don't know if that's just me being sort of prejudiced. Uh, yeah. You know, is there... You know, I'm watching a movie and man, if the guy's going to fall in love with a girl, that girl's got to be the hottest girl you've ever seen. And it doesn't really matter if the guy is a total schlub because mm -hmm. I'll just buy it. Um, Especially when he's a guy who other women are definitely sort of throwing themselves at him, right? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Like he is, especially for that era, like a very stereotypical player. Yep. You know, uh, and this that bit was always muddy to me because I... Even if he had real feelings for her, he certainly wasn't actually... I mean, he was still lying to her about whether or not he was betting these women yep. and he, you know, all that stuff. So a part of me felt like, well, because he really kept stressing how you need to be really careful with the way that, that we pull these cons. Like, you have to be real gentle with it. You can't, like, disturb it. And maybe the fact that she just came on so strong... It was almost like he couldn't, I don't know, he, he couldn't say no to her in a way. Like it was easier to keep her close to him because, she, I don't know, she would ruin everything if, if she didn't. But it's not exactly that either because that would have been, I think, very clearly stated that he just wanted her there so that she didn't come in and, and wreck all of his con jobs. Like if she felt like she was a part of the con, then he could mitigate whatever damage she would do. I mean, I, I could see that being the case, but that was never stated but I also don't, I don't know. It's really, it's really, uh, that's a really good point because. I kind of, I tell you, at the end of the day, I kind of didn't care mainly because of what we read about the real couple. That that was, I mean, like they seemed to be in love with each other. They were this weird match. And um, yeah. I, I kind of just felt like, well. A part of it's like, why not? Yeah. Um, why not? But also like she isn't someone he can con i think you know i, I don't know that yeah. there was really that much money for her to be milked out of you know and it's probably easier having someone to help you yeah and he had kind of uh in a weird way she was sort of uh on the same playing field i guess even though she's not she's not in it for the money but she's certainly got some some issues of yes. of compassion yeah 
yeah, I just it was just it's an interesting interesting setup for this kind of thing, and especially thinking about it in comparison, Bonnie and Clyde, which is kind of what I compare, or even like True Romance or Badlands, where I don't know, they're just different. They just are they operate differently somehow, and how they establish those couples that get Very. involved in this kind of thing or natural. Well, maybe natural born killers is an easier comparison. I don't know. I mean, well, that's the thing. Honestly, all the things you you mentioned. I mean, True Romance definitely. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's, you know, the, Clarence and them are, are the good guys. Yeah, I was gonna say they were Bonnie and Clyde. They don't, I don't know, Bonnie and Clyde was pro- probably felt a little raw when it came out. Oh, God, but, yeah, yeah. But like when you watch it now, I mean, you it's Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. <laughs> it's, like, beautiful, yeah. Like, how are you not going to like them yeah. on some level, you know? And even Natural Born Killers, like, yeah. those guys, they're terrible. They're terrible. They are terrible and they just murder people. And then, you know, by the end of it, you're like, oh, they're kind of charismatic, though. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So... That, that they are probably the closest to Honeymoon Killers. Probably, yeah. yeah. But no, it was interesting, for sure. And um, I meant to say, uh, I kept thinking of uh, Elias Codius, or Coteus. I can't remember how you say his last name. The actor who, um, God, who the hell was he in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? He's in the Thin oh. Red Line, and um, he's yeah, a bunch of things. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he, he looks a little bit, uh, he has a little similar look to Tony Lobianco in this movie. Yeah. Which I, it's probably not a compliment. Although, yeah, he's a handsome guy in this. He's a handsome guy. For sure. Um, Harry, Harry man. Yeah, so they dupe Doris uh, out of her money. Let's see, who was next on the agenda there? Myrtle. Myrtle was really interesting. She, yeah. Uh, Marilyn Chris, who is this very Southern, I think they were in Little Rock, maybe, or somewhere in Arkansas. Yeah, something like that. And so they go. Now, she did not seem. Now, the first lady seemed to me. As 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 a role that's being cast, as someone who might be a lonely hearts person, yes, much like uh, Martha, Myrtle didn't strike me as that kind of person. She's not. She's opposite. She's pregnant. Um, so right. Well, yeah, she, yeah. She was looking for somebody to get married to so that her parents basically oh, right. won't disown her. Um, I think was, but right. she definitely took a shine very very quickly to Ray and. Uh, one of my favorite things, maybe one of the only truly comedic things I think of the movie, is that for a wedding present, she got him a toupee. And he's not bald. Like, I don't, like, to me, no. there's no, but it does, it hides, it covers up a small scar he has on his forehead, which, not the best scar makeup you've ever seen. But no. with this toupee, suddenly, yeah, he's got a little fuller, that, you know, the, uh, hairline is not quite as far back yeah <laughs> i'm just like that's a bold wedding present right there that is bold um because that could go either way you know that might not be welcomed uh, depending on who you give it to well yeah if he was like uh in that relationship for real mm-hmm. that could have been a, a tougher sell it's interesting though too you know uh just going back to whether or not ray and martha ray's really in love with martha it very well also could be a case of over the course of the movie, him having stronger and stronger feelings and having a stronger bond with her just for this kind of reason. I mean, she's the only one who really knows him. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the Myrtle who's trying to hide him, trying to change him right out of the gate. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, having someone that close to you that they know this this dark secret, like this is how you live. Yeah. And That can make a huge uh, difference. For sure. And it also, like, it works in the story because he's like, oh, 
actually, this is great because now I look slightly different than whatever, yeah. you know, mugshot is floating around of me probably um, or whatever yeah. Doris might be able to identify. Um, but also, like, you, he definitely likes it. I mean, he likes the way he looks with his thing because he's, he's teasing it up. Um, so in this scene with, with Myrtle, it does one of these things that they come back to again with one of the other women, and that is where, given the era... And uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but Ray keeps finding ways to not share the bed with these women that he's uh, courting and marrying. And Martha does <laughs> or has to share a room. And, right. you know, it's just uh, uh, it's so awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> and she doesn't want to it be is, there. She's uncomfortable. Like Myrtle especially is like very clearly got the hots for for Ray and keeps trying to slip out of the room and Martha keeps bringing up like don't you want a sleeping pill would you like a sleeping pill and then sure enough they give her sleeping pills the next day I think or maybe it was at night and uh, after this evening you sort of cut to on a bus and like she is in bad shape she keeps saying like how sick she is and you can just tell it's just like they gave her way too many pills and this isn't going to yeah. end well and sure enough they leave her on a bus with this excuse that, you know, she's going to take the bus to see her parents and he's going to meet her there with the car and all this stuff. But five minutes later, she's dead. And um, yeah. so I think that's the first murder they commit. But they're, the next woman is Evelyn and there's a whole scene at the lake, which I think they claim that that one was shot by Scorsese. I, I don't know. Like there wasn't like visually I didn't like it didn't stick out to me as something, though, because like he's. Not like that first scene. Yeah, it didn't have that sort of identifier, I guess, camera movement stuff. That scene gets a little crazy because Martha can tell that Ray is laying down with this woman, Evelyn, and is probably going to have sex with her on the blanket while she's in the water, and she essentially tries to kill herself. And he saves her. And And can, can I interrupt right there? Yeah. What a bold move. I go to the lake with my sister and this lady I'm courting. My sister gets in the lake. I'm having sex with that lady on the... <laughs> yes. Like, really? Anyway, it's a 70s. Yeah, it's even if different. it was really your sister and certainly your girlfriend, that's <laughs> right. a, it's a bold move on Ray's part, for sure. It's a bold move. Yeah. But they kind of blow their cover there with Evelyn because Ray, when he saves her out of the water, like, he's kissing her in a way that you can tell, like, it, it leaves the scene like Evelyn is uncomfortable with yes. what's going on there. And, um, yeah, it was all interesting. The next target is Janet. And, man, Janet. Here's where I felt like the movie slowed down because they take their time with Janet. They're playing Janet yeah. right. She's a good bit older, and she's got a good bit more money, but she also has family, and mm -hmm. she's willed some of that money to them. And when she and Ray get married, and Ray, of course, has put a little, put a little salt in that toupee to make himself look a little bit older, they come back to the house that Ray and Martha have bought, the little house in the suburbs. That's all Martha wanted. That's why she's going to kill herself because it seemed like Ray was never going to give her that. And they talk Janet into basically signing over everything to them. She's writing checks in his name, and they go and put them in a very safe space in the cellar. But when they're in the cellar, Ray, who can't help himself, I think is going to have sex with Martha, and Janet goes 
checking to see what's going on down in the cellar. They've locked the door and claim that the other door is locked too. They can't get it to open, but they'll figure a way out. Uh, it takes over an hour to get out of that cellar. And Janet starts thinking about that at night. Of course, she's in the room with Martha and not Ray. And she starts having doubts and wants to call her as a daughter or sister. Her daughter, I think. She doesn't feel right about having signed those checks over. She wants to confer with her and... Obviously, they can't let her do this, and it escalates to a point where Martha ends up hitting her in the head with a hammer. And I knew that moment was coming because I'd read about it in the research I did for the tee-up. It still really worked for me, Craig. I got to say, like, that's yeah. that's where it really got me back in because, like, I had made the note. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you're going to take this much time with a con, and we've already seen variations of it three times now, like... I think I wrote down, I was like, I wonder if they should have just led with Janet. Like, would she have been the right. first target? And was like, oh, okay, we see how they work, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think so now I, because of, like, where it builds. Like, when it gets to that moment, it's just like, oh, holy shit. Okay, like, this is even somehow exponentially worse than what they did to Myrtle. Yeah. It just feels so bad, so visceral, and they have it's to end up. really bad, yeah. Yeah, I think. And they, I mean, they're both in it. I mean, they are really. Yeah predators um, at that point like they are just because ray has to finish her off uh, he strangles her or... strangling her yeah yeah um well they, like strangle her and they, they they wrap whatever they're strangling her with in in the hammer and they're just twisting the hammer around her neck yeah as i remember it's 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 brutal and like it, it plays out in this one shot pretty much and and yeah i mean much like you know the movie takes its time with this entire con it just sits you there as they kill her yeah and I mean, and I mean, you're there for it. You're there in the room with it, with her for the aftermath. I think the camera even stays right where she is and sort of watches the other two sort of walk out of the room. And, you know, he goes to the kitchen. She goes to another room, wherever he comes back in, if I remember. But it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are, they're both kind of in shock over it, but they're also not remorseful about it. No, in fact, I mean, they're kind of like closer in a weird way, because she's like, "Oh my yes. God, you're like, you're, you're, you're burning up. You're sweating, Ray. Like, take your, take your clothes off. Like, uh, you know, she's, she almost, not to spoil anything about Phantom Thread, but it's almost that like they have to do this awful act together for her to become his sort of like surrogate mother. Like, she's the nurse to, yeah. to him in that moment. He needs to be nurtured. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, totally. Which maybe is like part of the relationship. There is just like there's something about him that needs that woman that in those moments can take care of him that he's drawn to. Yeah. Well, I mean, he needs someone who's actually, again, it, it is something where it's like, she's the only one who knows it. Yeah. She's the only woman that he's actually close to. And then, I mean, he, he goes and stands over Janet Faye, takes his clothes off. And I mean, at that moment I was like, where is this movie yeah. going? Ugh. Because I am not prepared <laughs> for that. Yeah. But then he that walks was not on the poster. Damn it. <laughs> that was yeah. Nowhere on the poster. But then, uh, but then he walks out of the room and walks into where Martha is and like, let's make love. Yeah, um, I was like, shit, that's dark, Which, buddy. That some of that stuff was in the uh, actual honeymoon, honeymoon killers, uh, uh, Lonely Hearts killers. Yeah. I think Janet Faye's my uh, Mary Jane Higby, the actress. She's my all star uh -huh. of this thing because she, I really think she sold that stuff. You know, pr I mean, yeah. up to that moment, she's almost like ridiculous like how unaware and naive she is she's got this hat on 
that looks like a uh, some sort of vanilla frosted cake with like feathers sticking out. It's just ridiculous, but she's made it oh, herself. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you ought to open your own hat shop and stuff like that. We'll use this money. And then when she sort of has that awakening and she's like, I don't feel good about this. I need to call somebody. And it gets to a point where she's essentially begging for her life before she's struck with that yeah. hammer. And it is terrific. Like, I just was like, oh, my God, this is somebody's grandma in this actual situation. Yeah. It's terrible. So she and like she's got no other credits. It's crazy. Um, I thought she was great. It is. Yeah, no, she is great. And yeah, that. That moment is very affecting, especially, you know, kind of seeing her realize how deep she's in this. I mean, she is trapped in a house with two people who are who don't mean her any kind of goodwill. Mm -hmm. And it's just her saying, oh, you know, no, no, I'll, I'll forget it. Everything's fine. You know, everything's fine. And it's just like, oh, my God, man. I mean, if you are this old lady, I don't know, you, you, you got to know what's coming to you right now. And that is that makes it all the scarier. Yeah, that definitely reminded me of something like in Cold Blood, um, and maybe just the black and white of it all too. Like that scene's really dark. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That to me, I mean, is the the sort of like most powerful thing in the movie. I think that scene. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not say like it's doesn't have stuff that feels completely part and parcel within that world. Sure. But yeah, so there's another victim after this, uh, Delphine, played by Kit McCardle who's a good bit younger than, uh, well, certainly younger than the Janet character. And mm -hmm. they sort of cut to the chase in this one. She's pregnant. She's already got a child uh, who's, what, five, six, something like that. And she's kind of confessing to Martha that, uh, who she thinks is Ray's sister, that although she knows Martha is so kind of uh, straight and narrow and really good-hearted about not wanting her brother to have sex with Delphine until they're married, they have, in fact, been screwing every time Martha leaves the house, right? And, of course, <laughs> oh, poor Martha, Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah. It, it seemed like news to her, and maybe I'm just reading into that, but I don't know. I felt like it was supposed to be presented that Martha didn't know that was happening, although maybe she should have or it was something that she knew and... Well, I mean, I, I I thought she really trusted Ray. Yeah. And when Ray said he wasn't going to do that, like that was a deal. And that was because, I mean, that was definitely going to set her off. There's no uh, question. Yeah. Like that was all she could hold on to is like he is not going to physically be with these women. Yeah. He will pretend to love them and we'll get their money and that will be that. So, yeah, I mean, I think she totally believed him on that. Okay. Yeah, I did too. Point. I think that was how it was presented. I'm sure at some point in the movie, I know he says like, it'll never happen again kind of thing, or I promise I'm, I won't lay a hand on her. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That one, it ends in a shooting of the wife, I mean, of Delphine. And and that moment is pretty great, Yeah, I thought. As I remember, it's just all on her face, Yep. on on Delphine's face. And you, you hear what's going on, and you know her eyes are just following, and you, you can hear the noises and so on. And then it's just she just watches someone walk around. Suddenly there's a gun at her temple, and it's just bang. Yep. There's no... Like with uh, Janet Faye, there was a lot of begging and like a big lead up to it. And in this case, it's just boom. 100%. And then they do something similar with, uh, unfortunately, there's the kid that's left behind. Which is brutal. You can hear the kid crying yes. in the house. Yeah. It's uh, pretty disturbing. I'm a little confused about exactly what they did to the kid. but I thought 
she drowned okay. the kid. That's you, you hear the water splash, but I wasn't sure. Like it happens in a basement or cellar. Yeah. I was like, well, was there like a sink down there or something? But anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's yeah. the implication that sound is horrible. Um, it is. And it does something interesting in that after this, well, shit, was it before that she calls the cops? No. It's after? No, because, yeah, because, so she knows from Delphine that Ray has been with her. And then I think after she drowns the girl, right after that, she walks up and she's talking to Ray and she says something to sort of double check with him yeah. about, are you going to be with anybody? And, I, and I, I think he still goes ahead and says, no, no, you know, I've never been with another one of them. Right. And I think that's when she decides, um, I'm calling the cops. But they leave it at that. And then you cut yeah. to, they're in prison. And she's getting a letter from uh, Ray. And she goes out on a bench and reads it. And we hear his voiceover. And he's saying exactly what she wants to hear. You're the only one I ever loved. I will love you from beyond the grave. And then we get this kind of uh, uh, the superimposed titles there that they were executed in Sing Sing. And um <laughs> I don't know, like if that story is true about the actual couple that this was based on and her being like her dying wish was to be executed in while sitting in his lap. Like, I don't know if like uh, it's just maybe too far fetched to believe but that would have been an interesting last shot. But um, it, it yeah. is almost kind of better that they don't see each other. I think that you just hear that. Yes. Like it's almost like it ends the way that their uh, the relationship began just through those letters, which is a nice little touch and a nice little shot, I'd say. Also at the end, just, yeah. just this one tracking shot that just pulls away. And uh, yeah, I, I really kind of dug yeah, that. Yeah, really good composition. Looks like an actual prison. I would assume it is. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I think the whole thing, like, it's really clear. It makes sense. It's just whether or not, like, you want to go down that road of these <laughs> pretty dark people, right? Um, there's yeah. no sunshine at the end of this thing. The only, like, real motivational question I had about this, and I know what the answer is, but... Um, do you have any sense of like why, like why is Ray doing all this? Like why didn't he stop at a certain point? Like why, you know, there, there's never any answer really given as far as like I gotta pay this off. I've got a gambling debt. They're gonna break my kneecaps if I don't get this. Money. Like there's no like the money is really secondary to everything in a way that yeah, uh, it has to do with Ray. Martha's the one that wants a money for a, like a level of comfort, right? Part of me is like asking that, just saying money's money. Like people are always going to want more of it. So, but is there anything else that you read into like the compulsive nature of him continuing to do this after a certain point? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, with Myrtle, I don't, I don't know that they knew that she died. Yeah, a good point. Yeah, like so they don't even know that. So, so Janet Faye would have been the first time they both did this thing. I mean, that's. It is a good question. Like, yeah, after that was done, why wouldn't he walk away from it? Yeah, he didn't seem especially desperate. It didn't seem like there were people after him if he didn't pay him. You know, it didn't seem like there's anything like that. I mean, what I guess I'm mostly left with is just that he wants to do it because of his bond with her. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's, there is nothing that really tells me this would be his choice to continue doing this. For, especially for as much as originally he wanted her to, to stop messing things up. It's true. You know what I mean? It seems like this is a huge problem. Like, it seemed like at, at the very least after Janet, he would have been like, we can't kill any more people. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, at the, I mean, at that point, maybe he didn't care. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, like, well, other than the fact that he is just a a high risk kind of person, and yet you're right, though. I mean, he does like he scolds her uh, for doing some of these things that could easily be, you know, give up the ghost as far as what they're trying yeah. to do, pulling the wool over these ladies' eyes. But I, I don't. I I never felt like that was a deal breaker. It was in the back of my mind watching the thing, and um, it's one of those things that they could have explained, and it somehow could have made things worse. I guess if uh, yeah. you know if it's not like a strong enough reason or just seems silly. But yeah, I don't know. I my th- real thought is just like that's just who this guy is. I guess a gambler doesn't stop gambling. No, no, I don't. So. We covered essentially like the basics of the whole plot. Is there anything like beyond that? Like, I don't even remember what the score was in this movie, but was there anything like uh, along those lines that you particularly liked or a scene or a performance or a line of dialogue or anything like that? But, you know, that's really interesting. I only really remember the score at the very end. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there even being score over the, the murder of Janet Faye or, or any of that. It probably wasn't. And for all I know, yeah, it's really not. It, I mean, that would certainly fit. What else? Let me ask you this then. Please. While you're thinking, does it feel like it was directed by three people <laughs> in various stages? You know, it's funny. I, I I can't say I really picked out anything that felt like, oh, that's one person and that's another person. I I think I was so pleasantly surprised by some of the staging, but it didn't. Well, well like again, like that lake scene did not stand out to me at all. If that was Scorsese, it didn't. Yeah, I wasn't like, whoa, now we're in the hands of a master, you know. Um, it all seemed really very competent and sometimes like, like very interesting, but even, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I thought a lot of it was, I don't know. I felt very confident overall. Yeah. It it felt pretty seamless to me. I mean, I do think that opening is super cool. And if that was Scorsese, like it, it would make sense in my head. I also feel like, man, I would love to have seen the version where he got to take as long as he wanted shooting beer cans yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I would love to see some of that, um, just put some of that style uh, on it um, and what that version would look like. But no, I mean, it, it feels pretty solid. You know, I think there's some, you know, like lighting inconsistencies perhaps from interior to exterior. Like some of those exterior scenes were, were pretty darn bright, I guess. Um, sure. As far as like the, the sort of, tone of the black and white but um compared to the interior sometimes you know it's it's not yeah. like the whole thing is definitely not a noir the subject matter no. is but you know um, yeah doesn't have that look uh dozen places and scenes and moments it does but yeah i don't know i don't really have anything else i thought you know across the board performances were really pretty interesting doris roberts was actually pretty great as that annoying neighbor bunny yeah. and we forgot to mention that uh, at a certain point they sent her a letter ray sends her a letter i think they're trying to get money out of her right oh yeah they're, yeah I think they're so. waiting for her to write back but she hasn't taken the uh debate yet i think yeah but man she uh i didn't even recognize her at first i guess i definitely didn't either and it's so funny to see her i know her so much better as an older actress yeah. And I think that's the thing, like, to see her young is just kind of startling. But, I mean, yeah, she's so great. Mm -hmm. No, it's an interesting uh, movie, I think, in terms of just, uh, you know, the the sort of divide of gender roles here, too. Because, I mean, maybe there's, like, the guy that was on the bus that uh, came on to find Myrtle. But beyond that, like, I don't – maybe that – well, there was the boss at the the hospital. But, like, those are the only male roles, right? I mean – well, I mean, in terms of certainly in terms of like majorish roles, but it just reminded me of a moment 
that I, I can't believe I didn't put this in my notes. Uh, during the scene where Bunny is on the phone telling Ray that Martha has tried to kill herself, mm-hmm. right? There, she, Bunny's standing up. She's on the phone. Martha's sitting on the bed. And Bunny's boyfriend, or no, oh, I assume husband, <laughs> is also in the yes, bed. Yes, I forgot about that. But he's like sort of asleep or yeah. something or, or whatever. At some point while they're talking... They're not talking to him at all. He has nothing to do with what's no. going on. But he rolls over and just like basically plants a hand on Martha's boob, yes. it looks like. And she just kind of like takes it and like like throws it off of her. Yes. And I mean, nothing nothing was said about it at all. And I just thought, man, what a great moment. And it's, it is, it felt very sort of indicative of the time period. Yes. And then uh, I love that he's just like back there, just like behind him, kind of like half asleep, but also laughing off and on at what they're saying on the phone. You he's know? like, yeah, bemused by what's going that on. That guy, I guarantee, he had to be somebody who's just on the crew that they were like, we just need, you just get in there and just do <laughs> Right. Um, we need it was some, really we funny, need though. texture like, in this for scene. For somebody who didn't have a, a single word, like, yeah. It added a lot to that scene. Had he, had he not been in there, I think it would have been a lesser scene for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I guess like that guy, and then like a cop, and then Ray. Like those are the only men in this movie. And, Pretty much, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that says something too. I don't know what, but I know it does. Mm, mm. Um, well, that's it. It's, I think it's an easy recommend for me. I'd say just uh, you know if you're getting a little patient there now, you know what's going to happen with the end. Um, stick around there, and definitely um, you know if you don't feel like taking the journey of the plot. This would be a good one to check out some scenes uh, on YouTube or something just to see sort of like what it feels like in motion because um, yeah, it, yeah it's really interesting i feel like i want to see more from those two main actors and should do some mm-hmm. homework there check out a couple of their performances and uh i don't know maybe it's a shame that frank castle never direct or leonard castle uh never directed anything leonard else because yeah. whatever parts he did direct are, are pretty damn interesting here yeah, I mean, uh, I, I got to imagine the fact that his name is the one that's on it. He did lion's share of the yeah. work at the end of the day and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe saw it all the way through to completion. So, yeah. But. And, 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 but, and again, you know, could it ever just be that thing of like, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. I did a pretty good job on that. I'm not going to try that again. Like that was. Uh, <laughs> I'll go back to I stood on a on a Yeah. yeah. I stood on a cliff for like six months and it turned out all right. Maybe I won't do that again. Yes. And we also had to take, uh, I think it was Bianco's account of praising the editors and cinematographers too. You know, it it can't have been the most enjoyable shoot if you're going through three directors, no. right? Yeah. I would assume, especially for an actor, that would God, be yeah. very destabilizing. Yes. Sometimes it's worse enough just to have one director. <laughs> yes, it is. It can be, um, oof. I didn't even think about that, but it's kind of amazing how consistent the performances are given the fact that they had three different people directing them. Uh, Kudos to those guys. So that's it. Yeah, I think it's it's one to check out for sure. And definitely, uh, yeah, in the month of October, it seems like a very good time to do it. It does. It does. Craig, any last words? Yes, actually. You know, I just thought about this about the movie. There is one man who also figures in close to the end. Hmm. And I didn't think about this before. His name is Abraham Lincoln. You're right. Yes. And I mean, Honest Abe. It's very interesting how Honest Abe figures in to the story in a very 
specific way. Sort of superficial way, yeah. but it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that up to the listeners if they want to watch the movie. It, it I think it definitely was a was a a, a, a very 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 deliberate. Oh choice. yeah, yeah, no chance. That and um, and I kind of like that moment now even more just thinking back on it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great one to end on. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.